Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Monday afternoon. Just got done chatting with our friend Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Just to sort of catch up with everything that's been going on here, Michael always has good thoughts about the ownership situation, what what a what a new owner could mean for the stadium search. We got into those topics and of course talked about the commanders as well the quarterback situation is taylor heineke more in the mix than maybe we all think and a little bit about the uh defensive line moves to make with deron Payne and others as well so uh we'll get to that in a moment here on the standard room only podcast which of course subscribe on itunes spotify wherever you do your podcasting you know i I do these things all the time. There's things that take three seconds to do, and you blog get to it later. Just right now, if you're not already, hit the subscribe button. You can do it there on uh, on wherever you do the podcasting. Also, of course, you can you know follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. Just go hit that button as well. And this one's a little more complicated because you got to pull out a credit card. But go check out the Athletic and subscribe there. Uh, I have a story up today about things I heard at the combine, including kind of just an overview of the defensive line. We're not talking much about Montez sweat, but he is going into his fifth year. I got into that. Michael and I got uh, touched on it a little bit as well, but other topics in there beyond just the defensive line. So make sure to check all of that out. Um, I don't have a ton else to tell you here at the top. I did just want to give a quick shout out though, to, uh, uh, Liz Clark with the Washington Post, who apparently is retiring today. I haven't had a chance to t- talk to Liz. I say today. I don't necessarily know that her end date's today, but just she's retiring. Liz has been uh, at the Post for, you know, as long as I've been doing this and easily, easily one of my favorite people on this beat and and uh, just a great writer, just such beautiful prose and and poetry in her work. She obviously has done a lot over the last couple of years regarding uh, the Washington Post's uh, look into Dan Snyder and the, and, the, and the commander's organization. But, you know, I, I always loved her her tennis work. I would see her often when I would go to the City Open uh, here, which was one of my favorite events to cover as a reporter. She was uh, always there and always a great to talk to. Um, and just I thoroughly enjoyed her, her work and her uh, camaraderie over the years, and I wish her the best going forward. Um, so that is where we are here. So just in terms of the commanders, you know, the owners meeting is at the end of this month. Free agency starts the 15th of March. We're about, about there, tampering period, maybe the day before. So that's the next big deal here for Washington. Um, what will they, you know, do they have any other uh, players to to release? How much will they do in free agency? You know, you've heard me already say, I, I just see, feels like that budget talk is becoming, a real thing. So I don't, I don't have too much confidence that they'll do a, a ton, but you don't have to spend a lot of money to improve your team either, you know, relatively speaking. So we'll see what they can do. They found some good bargains back in 2020. This would be a good opportunity to do that again. And if you haven't heard, uh, Kansas City is apparently not going to place the franchise tag on left tackle Orlando Brown. Um, seems like a little surprising, but they used the tag on him last year. And as we know, two tags in a row can get out of hand. So perhaps they sign him to a deal. If not, he hits free agency. And as we know, uh, Washington needs offensive line help. If this was the 
earlier version of Dan Snyder, I might think Washington would be a team to beat. But in this iteration, I don't see that happening. Michael and I do get into this as well. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know that That's going to be a big one. Also, if you missed it, Derek Carr is signing or he has signed with the Saints. There wasn't anything about him coming here at all. But now that you know, we'll, we'll see what the next dominoes are in the quarterback uh, situation around the league. Because even if I think that Washington won't spend much on quarterback, perhaps the price comes down on some other people, depending on what shakes out. Does Aaron Rodgers get moved? Uh, what what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, who who is eyeing the draft over veterans, et cetera? And all this could impact whether it's Taylor Heineke or Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, or others. Uh, that we might consider here in Washington. So keep that in mind as well. All right, uh, that is it for me here. Let's get to my conversation with the always fun Michael Phillips here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, as promised, uh, joining us here on the podcast, it's been a minute since we've had him on, but obviously one of our go-to guests throughout the season, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Michael, uh, pleasure to chat. How is your... Uh, I, I hate to say off season because we don't have one covering this team. <laughs> but how was your time away from Ashburn? I'll say. Well, there was like a four hour period there where there was no news uh, in mid January, so I, I kind of consider that the off season. Really maximized it. Ran some errands, went to Seven Eleven, got a Slurpee, uh, and then it was back to the season mode. Um, it, it does. I feel like I write more in the off season than I do in the season with this team. Um, and lest anybody think we enjoy that. Um. I enjoy aspects of the stories we cover because they're, they're wild, but no, I, I wouldn't mind an off season. Yeah. I've, I've said this before on here and, and I did a whole bit on the radio Saturday, but like everybody in the, in Indy, they would see me and I suspect the others on the beat had the same reaction. Like every time they would see me, they'd be like, Oh, you're having fun today or your beats crazy <laughs> or whatever, whatever was happening at that moment. I'm like, yeah, I think my favorite is, you know, every couple of months I'd be like, Oh my goodness, I have the craziest beat. Something happened and then another thing happened and I don't even know what to do about it. And we're all just rolling our eyes. Like, it was like, oh, the Arizona Cardinals are like, we are the most dysfunctional team. Like, yeah, okay, you, you fired the general manager and Kyler's unhappy. Like, we've got a way higher bar here. <laughs> yeah, just, just a Get little bit. Get out of town. <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of that, let's let's talk about that. We're just going to sort of bounce around with different topics. Let's start with the owner stuff. Um, obviously, this is, you know, no matter what else is going on with Sam Howe or free agency or the draft or anything like that, it's all about the owner. And last week, there were three stories, essentially, that kind of came out. Uh, one about, uh, you know, that Dan Snyder seems to be kind of uh, keeping Jeff Bezos at arm's length in terms of bidding. That's the least interesting, I would say, of the three, though. Obviously notable when you're dealing with that level of uh, notoriety and money. Um, then there was the Washington Post story about how Dan Snyder is basically kind of saying, look, if you know, if I'm going to sell here, you guys, meaning the NFL, need to protect me against future lawsuits or issues or whatever that come up. And then the last one was the massive uh, Don Van Natta story on ESPN, which sort of the headline was that. Snyder took out a $55 million uh, loan that he didn't tell his minority partners about at the time. And there was a lot of other interesting, fun details about how Dan Snyder is getting, gets money to put up a 
logo, a team logo on his plane and some other things. Of all that for you, which one for you were you like, okay, this is this is the most interesting one in terms of whether this team, you know, what's going to happen with the future of this team? I enjoyed the Van Natta one. I mean, he's just so good. He's so wired in. Like, as reporters, sometimes you read you we read that, read that report and like, wow, it must be fun to be that good at what you do. Like, I don't know. I aspire to that. Um, so many details. And look, I mean, here's where I'm at. I'll go big picture for you, Ben, with, with this whole thing. Like, he's, I think he's going to sell the team before opening day 2023 season. I, I think before a football kicks off this year, the team is sold. I, I think I think there are two ways to do this here, the easy way and the hard way. And and look, I mean, the Roger Goodell, not stupid. You know, the NFL, not bad at what they do. They've got him over a barrel here with these loans, with these reports, with these other things. They can take the team from him and they they could potentially run him into foreclosure with these loans too. And so I, I think the communication here is, look, we can do it that way if you want to do it that way, if you want us to, to squeeze you out or if you want us to vote you out. Why don't you do it this way? You get to pick the buyer. You get to cash the money. We'll put out a nice statement that says, ah, we enjoyed having Dan Snyder in the club. He's no longer in the club. There's many contributions. I, I, Dan has never been a kind of guy to go along with that, but I, I just think it makes far too much sense for that to be the outcome at this point. Yeah, I mean, it it is such a bizarre deal that, like, he would, like, for them to vote him out, obviously, like, that just doesn't happen. It's never happened in uh, you know, yeah. U.S. pro sports. Uh, obviously, that's the embarrassing way to go versus the other way is what whatever the number is, $5 million, $6 million, whatever it is, that's how much he would get, you know, for this team to sell. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like this should be a relative no-brainer, but obviously we've been, we've been said that for hundreds of topics um, in these um, parts. He- you know, if we're setting up the percentage wheel, I don't think he gets voted out. I think they'd be far more likely if he if he puts up a fight to say, we'll wait this out for a few years. We're, we're going to bankrupt you on the loan as opposed to we're, we're going to force your hand now. Now, that would be an unpleasant two years. But the upside of that is if you can catch him at the tail end of the loan, you could potentially take the team back and he wouldn't profit from the sale, which I, I would assume is being threatened in private. Oh, wow. That's a whole other a whole other uh, deal. You know, I, I think the thing about this is ultimately is that Dan Snyder seems to be as far as everything we know is one of those people who can never just admit that he's wrong, that ultimately there's always some other reason why something else happened. We've seen it throughout this whole situation with, um, you know, that, that he wasn't around the organization enough. He should have been more hands-on and, you know, other people were doing things and that's why, you know, th- what happened happened. Um, and Bruce Allen, can you even believe Bruce Allen? The gall of that man. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And so when you can't admit that you're wrong, if that's a real struggle for you, well, then it's sort of a never-ending bottom because you just keep going. And I think ultimately the bottom to admit that you were wrong would be selling the team, right? Because- sure. It, let's be clear, though, here on the bottom, because I, I think this is maybe the most interesting thing about the Van Natta report to me. The NFL has worked so hard to cover for this guy over the last decade it's almost not a surprise that he now is stunned that that they're actually serious about making him sell you look at this they sided with him in the shard dispute they sided with him for many years in the name dispute they sided with him over the loan um they've covered for they 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 got the wilkinson report delivered orally i mean you look at the number of ways they have covered up for this guy in the name of preventing pr disasters the bills come due on the other side too. 
Yeah, no, uh, no, no doubt, no doubt about it. Um, no doubt about it. But I, I'm with you in terms of the timing. I mean, it's it's felt like this thing has been going on longer than um, people I think, uh, imagined a few months ago. There doesn't seem to be a lot of momentum right now. So, the, the, I mean, the owners' meeting is this month. We keep talking about this as if it's you know some far off uh, moment, which it was several months ago. But it's here now, and you know, obviously something could come out of the blue, but it doesn't feel like that's where. Um, where we're at at this point uh what um what what do you think is sort of the i don't know what 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 do you think is there like a a, a next marker you're looking for in the schedule and the timeline or one of these uh you know reports investigations something that could come come out that maybe uh you know pushes this thing one way or the other I really think all this noise now is a sign that progress is happening. I think different people are trying to push the price in their preferred direction, whether that's up or down. Obviously, you got a lot of rich people who are used to getting good deals on things or used to, to getting the highest dollar when they sell something. I, I wouldn't be even a little bit surprised if, if something you know were to just pop out of nowhere and this thing's done right before the meeting. I, I, am, I do still have the meeting circled. I think if it's not done by the meeting, uh, you're going to hear some noise from some owners there. And uh, I think that's where it has a chance to get contentious. So I, I really do think we're in crunch time here. Yeah, I mean, look, the fact that Jason Wright at that Eric Bieniemy press conference, you know, said that this is happening, basically. Yeah. Was yeah. pretty, like, I, I, had, I heard, I was like, wait, what? Because they, they don't typically say anything about anything. Um, unless it's a picture on his lap uh, about what uh, what's what's the um, pull there. Yeah. Uh, so. So, yeah, I'm with you there to that to that extent. And, you know, I think with what I heard in Indy from from people and just getting trying to read the various rooms I was in, you know, you definitely get the feeling that it was happening. But whether it's, you know, three weeks, three months, that that's the part that's. Uh, a bit more unknown. Um, I, I don't know if you if, if uh, you've already had your draft and your uh, fantasy owner league, uh, <laughs> per, per, potential owner league. But is there somebody for you that at this point of the names we've heard or perhaps ones we haven't that for you is uh, where you're going to keep keeping your eye on or somebody you think like for the good of the team would actually be a good way to go? Man, and I, you know, I, I keep coming back to not Bezos. Um, I, I really do think uh, that, that it, it's not going to be him. I, I think that it's going to be one of these other guys. But man, you know, throw, throw a dart, hit the board. I, there, there's just so many of them. Uh, you know, I, I, I know they're probably down to a few. Obviously, you guys reported they, they were doing that round of bidding, which I would imagine would kind of uh, cold, cold the group a little bit. But it wouldn't even surprise me if somebody comes out of nowhere. Um, you know, the thing I keep coming back on is if it's not going to be Bezos, obviously you're not talking about top dollar, whatever that is. I do wonder if, if, if Roger wouldn't prefer a black owner, a minority owner, that's something he's openly talked about before the need to get that representation in the league. If you're dealing with a lot of similar prices, uh, if that's not the way the league would nudge Dan. Um, but, but, you know, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your take on this, but I, I think as far as I'm willing to take this so far is, you know, not Bezos. And then beyond that, you got your, your Harris's and uh, you know, you just, you just open it up from there. I, I think it's a tough room to read. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, this is not based on like I don't know how Jeff Bezos, you know, views uh, the quarterback market. I don't know what he would do with uh, Ron Rivera. I, you know, I don't know if he uh, is the kind of guy that wants to trade all his picks to do what the Rams did. I don't know, but in general, I don't want a, I don't want that level of celebrity owner. 
I, I just think for I, this is the, the absolute selfish call. I just think for us, I just wonder worry that it would be too much going on. Plus, like, is he ever going to be around? Like, I'm not saying I need the owner around, but around, but like, it doesn't have to be Gary Jones. But you know, something. I, I don't know. Is he ever going to do anything? I mean, I I would be curious to see what the stadium looks like under under Bezos. That yeah. would be my number one. Like, you just know, like this thing would like blow SoFi out of the water, which SoFi was like $3 billion more than the next most expensive stadium. I, what he could do and what he could do at RFK, like I, that, that would be the fun part to me to see what they could do in terms of a home stadium. Uh, the rest of it, take it or leave it. Also, I think prime would be a cool team name. Um, but beyond that, I, yeah, I, I could take or leave it. I, I don't think he'd be a good owner or a bad owner. I just don't think he's going to be the owner. Yeah. And ultimately I, I'm, I'm with him. I feel like everybody's thinking it should happen, wanting it to happen. And look, obviously, you know, we, as as others had reported the other day that, you know, he is, uh, you know, that Snyder is keeping him outside of the bidding circle, even though Bezos has, you know, spoken with investment bankers about possibly doing something. So I don't know what to make of it, but it feels like it, it feels like everybody wanting it to happen more than it, it is. But we'll see. He obviously has the wherewithal um to do it yeah you know i I think so much of the conversation day to day gets driven nationally and what's said on espn or podcasts or nfl network and and, you know i I just think the outside perspective is why wouldn't it be bezos and and kind of the same you know what was the narrative in the 24 hours after the enemy was hired was why would he go to washington like you know that that's why you turn to the local people in these situations like you provide the nuance you know we we say ah, there are a lot of good reasons Eric the enemy would be here. Um, there are a lot of good reasons Bezos wouldn't own the team. Uh, I'm always scared to just fall in line with the simplest possible narrative. <laughs> right. Um, I'm, uh, I'm with you on that. It's kind of like, how, also, let's be realistic. Everybody who just brings up Jeff Bezos, you know why? Because they have no other, they are, who else are you going to, like, what else are you going to do? This isn't like saying <laughs> the Jets just didn't get Derek Carr. Because Derek Carr with the Saints, so now the Jets could get Aaron Rodgers. They could get Jimmy Garoppolo. We can name people there. Own who's going? Who's got billions? <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're also not interesting people to talk about. Like here's our David Stewart podcast, like really breaking down what he did with worldwide technologies. Now he'd be his owner of the Commanders. Like my goodness, I'm bored already, and I'm the person saying this, Ben. Like these, these are not fundamentally interesting people until you get to the guy who owns a rocket ship and is the richest man in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's go to the to the to the stadium. Now, obviously we're nothing, you know, nothing is really changing at this point until we have a new owner here no idea what what's going to happen. Now, I think the, the the difference would be a new owner, almost anybody will be viewed as an upgrade over Dan Snyder, that somebody that these communities will actually be willing to partner with. Um, in variety of ways. I don't necessarily know that that means they'll be willing to put up massive taxpayer money to fund a stadium, but at least they won't feel the stink of having to deal with this commander's <laughs> team the way things are now. I know you were, you know, typically on the Virginia uh, side of this in terms of you thought that's where it was going to go, and clearly there was a lot of momentum until things kind of all fell apart. I would assume that RFK has got to be the favorite here if, in yeah. fact, uh, you know, a new owner unless a new owner happens to be from, you know, uh, uh, the, the Dulles airport corridor or something that that would be the most logical sense. Where are you at now with the stadium uh, without, without knowing who the owner is? 
Yeah, I understand why RFK is a favorite. I would also really keep an eye on Anacostia Park across from Nats Park there, uh, which I think would be a pretty iconic site as well. The fundamental problem, then, with both of these sites is they are stadium sites. Uh, you know, you build a stadium there, you can build a facility there, and that's the day, that's the scene. I do think it will be, I think it will be easy for a new owner to get the land at RFK. I think it would be hard for the new owner to get to build a mini city at RFK, the real estate development, the village. You go back and you look, I mean, that's what owning a sports team has been all about in the last decade. You look at what the Bears are doing at Arlington Park. You don't just build the stadium. You build a lot of real estate. You build hotels. You build retail. You build restaurants. You build office space. You build condos. And those things, in a way, subsidize the stadium or just subsidize your pockets and make you richer. We're talking about somebody who's going to buy a $6 billion team and put in $2 billion on a stadium right out of the gate. They might say, I got to go to Virginia. I got to go to Maryland. I got to recoup this investment. You know, we're talking about a lot of money here. Um, so, you know, I, I would not rule out those other places. You know, I, I guess, okay, so you, you make the great point about wanting to, to make the, you know, these stadiums. It's not just a stadium anymore. It's having this mini city around it. And obviously there would be benefits for D.C. as well with restaurants and whatever. But, I, you know, this season I went to, um, we, you know, we, there was the game in Dallas, of course. And uh, it was the first time I had gone. And I went to not just the stadium, but I went one day to their practice facility area, which Let's is – yeah, which is it very much just like all the the the, the you know the, the 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 many cities we have here all over the place, um, yeah, where it's got uh, you know Western like Town Center or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. What about that? Like, if in fact, I guess what I'm saying, if RFK could is good enough for the stadium and maybe some functional stuff, but not the whole deal, could you then take? I don't know what is it the the FedEx Field land and Landover? Is it Ashburn? I know like sort of the idea is to get it all in one spot, but couldn't that be an alternative or is that just not, you, you know, I mean, obviously we don't know who the owner is, but I mean, sure. just in general, not in the cards. Sure. I, I guess the counter question here is, is the brand strong enough to, to sustain that? Like what a crazy, like I want to go back 10 years in a time machine and ask you that question. Just so you could laugh at me hysterically. Like, of course the Redskins brand is strong enough to sustain that. What are you talking about? Phillips? Like I, are people going to, a, a commander's Frisco it, it, just on the strength of, ah, the commanders, they're associated with that. Like, ah, that's where their fields are. I, man, like, I, I'm sure somebody could do the research here. And I'm also sure that when the new owner takes over, if they put a winning product on the field, I do think people come back right away. And I think there's some strength in, in the brand and the history. But I think we got to ask some hard questions here, which is like, is this a brand that's strong enough to, to sustain a project like that? And I don't know that the answer is yes right now, which is, which is a little scary if you're lining up real estate loans. Yeah, that is a good, uh, that is a good point. Um, and, and also, by the way, I want to be in the room when you tell the players they have to move to Landover. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that would be, uh, that would be interesting for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, you, you know, like they, they have the land in Ashburn, they have the land in Landover. Uh, presumably, all that would come in the sale um, with I, the, for the for the team. So, I, I I don't think I've been controversial yet. So allow me to to make say something that everybody will boo me for because I, sure. I think I do that a lot. I loved the Ashburn Quarry site of of all the original sites. I thought that was a great site on the Silver Line, right next to Dulles in a thriving area. 
Um, I think the the Ashburn practice land right now almost certainly gets sold. It's just it's just too valuable not to. Um, but I loved the quarry site for a stadium out of the game. I know everybody will boo me for that, but I thought that was a really good site. Yeah, I I I uh, I didn't physically go there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, of the Virginia ones, that one to me certainly seemed to be the most palatable. Certainly not Dumfries um, or, or or anything further down there that gets us closer to asking a question to you of <laughs> how is this closer to Richmond or DC? Um, but yeah, no, it'd be interesting. I mean, you know, I wish we had some better options in DC if the RFK one just isn't big enough. But um, you know, it is what it is, I guess on on that uh front uh my brain is scrambled since the combine everything is there anything else sort of on that businessy side whether it's with snyder or jason wright or the nfl or anything else over there that uh you've got a a, a take on you'd like to uh un- unleash no i've always said i do i do hope they entertain the idea of renaming i, I know that's probably not realistically on the board but i think you know you, this is really kind of your only opportunity to get it right I, I hope they at least entertain the idea um but i, I do think it gets done this off season and and i don't think it fundamentally impacts the business i know people want to say ah what does it mean for chase young what does it mean for montez sweat like i think they can get done what they need to get done without opening up the purse strings you know w- without needing to make a big splash deal that needs approval or anything like that well, let's uh, let's use that as a good transition to the the team itself. I mean, when when you say you don't think it's a big deal, you're talking about this off season in terms of yes. So hypothetically, let, let's just say Deron Payne was willing to you know four year deal, average of twenty one million a year, forty five million in guarantees, and Payne says I'm in. You think Snyder would is is in a position to say he will sign off? on these types of things no but i I think the new owner will show up before it's too late to sign off on these types of things like i i i don't think snyder's gotten a single signing bonus check that that he doesn't have to here in the interim um you know i i don't think he's going to be big on the guaranteed money but there's other ways you can achieve that you can you know you can give him a contract and say hey it's just loaded with guarantees in year one or you know hey it's this and it's a restructure or whatever down the line um, I think there's ways to achieve. I think with Deron Payne, there is no clarity until there's a new owner. Um, but I, I, I'm you, you tell me how you're reading the tea leaves. I think Ron really does want to get him signed to a long-term deal. I'm, I'm taking that at face value. Um, I think he probably does. I'm just questioning that it can get done. I, I think sure. Like he, here's an interesting sort of litmus test. I think like if we look at like a Logan Thomas, right? He is, let me pull up the numbers here. He, he's got, uh, it's it's like an $8 million cap hit, but there's like $5 million savings. Um, and I don't know where you're at with like Logan Thomas, and I have not looked at like, I haven't really studied his numbers versus like other tight ends. But like, okay, so he's he's got a $6.3 million base salary this year, $8.675 million cap hit $3.5 million dead cap. So they can save over 5 million bucks by cutting him. He's 32, obviously didn't have a particularly strong year last year. He was okay. Got better as the season went along and, and far moved from that ACL to me. He seems like, I don't want to say like a screaming salary cup cap cut guy because he does, he does provide some locker room stuff and all that. But like, it feels like that would be a pretty easy way to go, but yet Rivera and Mayhew were talking about it the other day. Like they, they wouldn't, uh, that they would keep him. And what I'm wondering is 
if you cut a guy like Logan Thomas, you then have to go out and spend money to get a guy like Logan Thomas. Sure. Yeah. And it's going to you know potentially cost you some guaranteed money or longer term deal. I wonder if they're almost looking at some of these guys and going to say, you know what, it's already here. Rather than go out and start over and have to deal with some of this other money stuff, we'll just go with what we have, even if it's going to cost us a little bit more in the short term. Uh, this is a little bit of a tinfoil hat thinking, but at the same point, I don't know. I, I'm kind of wondering if that's where they're headed here. The tinfoil hats are warranted at this phase from everything we've seen. Um, <laughs> I think Orlando Brown's maybe our first big test on that, right? Like a guy who definitely would require guaranteed money. Um and a guy that they definitely should be in the hunt for, unless I'm really missing something obvious here. Um, I, I think that'll be a pretty big test of this theory. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it, right. If, under normal circumstances, this would be an, a, a no-brainer. Orlando Brown, Eric Bieniemy, Dan Snyder, called it, you know, figure out what you need to do, get it done, you probably overpay him two years from after he's signed a deal, probably questioning why he signed the deal because that's what happens here. It's not, ah, it's not you've, the, you've seen the show before. It's not an indictment of Orlando Brown. It's just this place. Um, but yeah, it doesn't feel to me like that would be in the, in, in the cards at all. I, I just don't, I mean, look, free agency hasn't started yet. There really aren't even a ton of rumors about that uh, for any team. So we'll have to see, but I, I, I just feel like this is why I feel like Duran Payne on the tag just makes too much sense for them. There is no guaranteed money involved. They can sort of kick the can down the road, like you're saying, and see if a new owner comes on board either before the deadline or, you know, after the season to work I mean, out. The, the, the real upside there is it gives you a year to watch Chase Young and, and see what you need to do with Chase Young, um, which kind of looms over the whole thing. But, man, if I were to run, I, I would, if I were his agent, I would give serious consideration to not playing on that tag and, and trying to force something. I, I, I think I would lean that direction. Yeah, I think that's going to be the, uh, a really fascinating point when we get later down uh, the line for sure. And, you know, if they wait till after the draft, you know, I think that's where they make the mistake. If you're going to trade him, you got to do it before the draft to get yeah. picks for this year. Yeah. Obviously, if you're trading for a player, well, then I guess that's just a whole other story. But, the, the, the you know, the compensatory pick thing, if he leaves in free agency, I mean, that's fine, but that's a third-round pick the next year. They, yep. you know, especially for Rivera, you got to win now. Um, so he's got to have to read that room um i did a recap from the combine about different topics you know thought about heard about what have you and and one of them was like for we talk a lot about deron Payne, chase young's gotten some attention but we really haven't talked about montez sweat much at all as a community i guess i would say and this is a guy who's yeah. going to the last year of his deal this is the the whole deal we, we, we all that time we were Worried about Jonathan Allen. Are they going to get a deal done? We spent last offseason wondering the same thing with Jerron Payne. And now Sweat's getting like no attention, it feels like, because of the pain and not to mention all the other stuff going on. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's one of the best defensive ends in the league, but he's really good. And, um, you know, I, they got to make a call. But I, from what I'm told, it, I think the feeling is he's probably going to, like Payne, go in and play the fifth year out. Uh, what where are you at with uh, uh sort of the whole Montez sweat thingy? It feels a little bit like the end of the uh, Preston Smith era to me. Uh, you know, where a guy who just was good but not outright dominant and a star, and it's tough to accurately price that into a hometown market. Um, you know, it, maybe he is underappreciated. Maybe he just isn't as big of a star as they thought he would be. It, maybe it's the guys he plays alongside. Maybe he brings out the best in them. 
there's just there's a lot to factor in there. Um, I agree with you. Most likely outcome, he plays it out. Um, I struggle with this one because I struggle with what he's worth and whether they should re-sign him. If you don't have him, you have a glaring absence that you need to do something about. But if you do have him, do you do you cripple your ability to build a winning team on the rest of the the, the you know every other unit? I that's a tricky one for me. It is. It is. I mean, ultimately, and, and part of the deal here is it's not just whether these guys you should pay them or not. You also have to maximize your assets. And that's something that they've obviously been really lousy at the last yeah. few years with Kirk Cousins leaving for a third, not getting anything close to full value on Trent Williams, Brandon yep. Scherf leaving for a compensatory third. Um, and if we say third, it's really the beginning of the fourth, however you want to look yeah. at it. But, you know, that 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 whole deal. So they've done a, a, a poor job of that. And they're in this situation right now again I, I i do kind of feel like the chase young part of it is on is probably the, the most challenging aspect if, if if you knew that chase young was doing everything everybody expected of him coming out this isn't that complicated you, you, sure. you, you look to trade either paint or sweat and call it a day um but the fact that he is where he is where he's missed you know what he missed 22 games in a row with the knee injury um uh, he you know has he's had uh like one and a half sacks since his rookie year. I mean, I know he missed a bunch of games, but you know, still he played. He's also played in games. Um, that, sure. That's pretty lousy. Uh, you know, they're in such a great position with all these linemen, but if they let pain or sweat go now, all of a sudden you might be only down to two of them. If, if Chase Young doesn't kind of work out here. So I really think that one is so tough. And wh where are you at? Cause you were, I, you were there. Uh, Ron Rivera told you um, that they were debating whether to pick up the fifth year option on Chase Young, which will be about 17.94 million. Do you get, when you were standing there and, and watching the man say words, did you get a feel for this is a, a real thing? I really completely buy it or more of like, look, we're kind of sending a message, but ultimately what we'll, we'll, we'll get this done. I think it might be a real thing. And, you know, I, I think that to your earlier point, I think you should trade one of them this off season. I think that's when you maximize. I think we all agree all three of them, Sweat, Young, and Montez Sweat, or, or sorry, Montez is Sweat. It's Sweat, Young, and uh, Payne. Uh, you know, of the three, I think we all agree all three aren't getting long-term deals here. I think you want to trade one of them. Man, the, the Chase Young thing. So you have a number two overall pick in the draft, and you're talking about whether to pick up the fifth year. You lost. Like that was that, that was a loss. Just put it on the board. Uh, you know, you, you didn't get what you needed to get out of the number two overall pick. He could still be a very good NFL player. I think he could still be an NFL star. I think he may need a change of scenery to do that. Uh, but but man, anytime you have a number two overall pick, and this is the debate, it just didn't work out in your favor here. You know, same with Robert back in the day. And just, you know, you need more when you pick number two overall. You need a franchise player. And they've gotten a player who's been very good, who's been defensive rookie of the year, but he hasn't altered the trajectory of the team in a meaningful way yet. And, you know, the injury was certainly a major factor there. Um, but even when he's been healthy, he's run very hot and cold. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. And I totally so, get it. So I, I, I guess to, to answer the question more directly, I would trade Chase Young. I would try to build up his value and try to trade him. Hey, he's coming off the injury. Hey, you know, th this is this is the guy you want. This is a, a, you know, give us some first round picks for him. I think in reality, though, other teams may be skeptical of, of buying in on him. Yeah, for sure. Not only is it the the injury and the lack of production, but, you know, when, again, we, we, we've mentioned this before, but when Rivera 
in 2021 kept talking about the lack of maturity and discipline or he needed to see more. He was basically talking about Chase needing to see more from, from him. And uh, that's a huge, that's a huge deal. And that's why it's going to be fascinating. Assuming he is here to see what, what he, what he's doing when he comes back here. Is he the guy who, you know, is he, I, I don't know how to say does somebody look more serious, but like, you know, is he out there uh, dancing around during practices, uh, you know, in between things and, and at least giving the perception of a guy who's not completely um, all in on every moment of the day, the way we, we see with other guys, or is he out there? Look, I've, I've, I've recovered. I know what I need to do. And he goes out there and he's a monster. Uh, that would obviously be great, but you know, I, I, it's not like any of us at this point can say that's definitely going to happen. Oh no, not at all. And you know, He's maybe one of the last of the Dan Snyder guys, too. Obviously had ties to the Snyder family. Uh, maybe enjoyed a little bit of protection from that, uh, from his coach, and was able to kind of call the shots a little bit more than your average player. Uh, that's about to go out the window, too. So it's, you know, an, an interesting year for him as Ron really reclaims the the upper hand in that relationship. Yeah, no, that's a uh, that's a very good point for sure. Perhaps that even led to Ron saying what he said. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know what's the point? Uh, um, yeah, interesting uh, for sure. Um, let's talk quarterbacks. Uh, that's a that's a new podcast record. I, I mean, we're we're pretty deep in here before we get to quarterbacks. I love it. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, there really isn't. I mean, I, it doesn't feel like there's that much to talk about unless you think that all the Sam Howell talk is a smokescreen. But it feels like it's pretty apparent that. You know, they're going to, you know, Sam Howell's the guy going into the offseason. And I think the point will be, who do they bring in as the other quarterback? You know, you can make, you can talk all about you want with competitions like Rivera did um, after his first year here when he didn't have Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins compete. And then he said next year we'll definitely have a competition. Then he gives Ryan Fitzpatrick a $10 million <laughs> a year salary with Taylor Heineke who had played one game basically. And and we're like, yeah, okay, this is not a thing. Um, <laughs> so, so that could happen here you know they can manipulate that to a degree but i guess where are you at with sam howe and i guess you know how how much do you buy that you know in fact he will most likely be the starter next year yeah i think if you look at who they're going to bring in as the number two i think the decision will make itself in a lot of ways even if it's heineke i still think how's your logical starter even if it's Jameis winston andy dalton name name your guy whoever you're excited about today like i i don't think any of those guys are, are obvious like, oh, my gosh, you've got to start him over the kid kind of guys. People are excited about how they want to see what he can bring to the table. Um, and I think that's the correct way to go. Look, it's the NFL. Everybody, well, you know, Ron didn't commit to him for the season. Like, dude, even if Ron did commit to him for the season, like in the NFL, you you are as good as your coach says you are that day. Like how, how many times have we had? starters who just you know don't have it one day and everybody's calling for their head even though they got some kind of crazy deal or long-term commitment or whatever like that's just not how the nfl works people trying to parse like did he name him qb1 starter for week one whatever it is like dude there's so long between now and then so many things could happen like there's so few guys in the nfl that know right now they're going to run out of the tunnel for their team as qb1 week one And, and like sam howell's got the best odds of being that guy. Um, but so much happens between now and then, um, you know, personally, I'd love for Heineke to come back, but I think there's good options. I think a guy like Dalton, you know, a, a guy like, uh, you know, a, you know, one of those veteran guys, I think there's going to be a lot of them here when the market starts shaking out, we get to legal tampering uh, next week or the week after I forget which one. Um, 
I, I think Eric Bieniemy being here is going to be a real positive uh, in terms of landing somebody to be QB2. Um, I, I think a lot of people are going to want to be a part of this and work with him. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think they get a name, but I think they let him sit behind Sam Howell. I, I'm assuming that's where you are on this as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I think earlier on, I was more of the opinion that Rivera is going to recognize he needs to, you know, get as the, the best quarterback he can afford in here because he's got to win this season realistically to impress the new yes. owner enough to to keep the job. And look, Sam Howe might be, you know, the the old the guy for the next ten years, but you know, he's basically a rookie, and typically rookies don't win, you know, finish with winning seasons. Um, so that that's why I kind of was like, well. You know Sam Howe, but it'll be with like an Andy Dalton, somebody who, again, I I I, I get it. Andy Dalton's nobody's desired choice, but he can win. He had a decent year yeah. last year. But now that we're a little bit deeper into it, now I kind of feel like it's going to be more of that Heineke type guy who really isn't a starter. I mean, you know, spot yeah. starter or whatever, but like not that guy. Effectively, give you know, you know, giving it to to Sam Howe. And I definitely have had a few people, you know, when I was in India and elsewhere say that, you know, they, from what they gather, Heineke is going to be the guy. Now, Heineke has some say in that. He'll have his own options to consider. And, you know, the with Derek Carr going to the Saints, you know, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't leave Green Bay, what does that do for the Jets? What does that do for the overall market? So we'll see. But I don't know. Right now, I, I think I'm more higher, I'm higher on Heineke than I was. Uh, and I don't necessarily know that's a good or a bad thing, but I, I kind of, I mean, I, to me, that would be, borderline fraudulent with Ron keeps saying competition, no disrespect to Taylor, but you're not bringing him in to to be the one. Correct. Yeah, of course. We all see that. Yep. Right. But at the same point, like that to me is feeling like uh, that could be it again, again, a long way to go. We'll see, but I, <laughs> Heineke, Heine, I, I, I'm more, I'm more buying Heineke back than I was or, uh, a couple weeks ago. There you go. Standing scoop. I love it. Um, it it's um, to me, you know, it's not just that Ron has to win now. The enemy has to win now, too. He could be out of here in a year as well if he doesn't win. And he really doesn't have a safety net available. So, I mean, I think he needs to win almost as much or more than Ron does this year. Well, well this is a great, uh, great segue because a question I've been pondering, I, I, I can't remember what happened yesterday, let alone if I talked about it on this here or the radio. But who do you think has more pressure on them next year? Ron Rivera or Eric Bieniemy? It it is interesting because obviously Rivera has been here. This is his fourth year, the head coach and all that, and a, and and a, and a new OC. You know, typically that's not a big deal, but obviously Bieniemy is a huge he's a big story. deal. So, what do you think? Who do you think has more pressure on them uh, this year? I tip my hand there. I think it's Eric Bieniemy, absolutely. Because I look if Ron, if this is Ron's last year as an NFL coach, and I think we all agree he's not going to get another job after this. If this is Ron's last year as an NFL coach. Ron has had a heck of a career. He's done so much. He made the Super Bowl in Carolina. He is the face of that team. He can always go back there and receive a standing O in that stadium anytime he wants. He has beaten cancer publicly. Um, he has navigated this team and that team through through so much. Um, he's could be on NFL Network if he wants to be on NFL Network. He can he can go tell everybody to shove it and go to Bermuda. You. It's been a long and fulfilling career for Ron Rivera. He has accomplished great things in the NFL. Like you could just, you just put that period on it. If this season goes off the rails and this is the end, or there's a new owner and he wants his guy, Ron Rivera, you know, a good football career. Eric Bieniemy, man, let's turn the page here to Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is still writing his story, and if if it goes off the rails for him this year, 
he's probably going to be a quarterback's coach somewhere the next year. He's probably going to be like an assistant level guy somewhere. Like that's a big step back on a career uh, that, you know, he, he is kind of the star of, Hey, why, why aren't black guys getting coaching opportunities right now? He's, he's putting all his chips in the middle of the table. It's, it's all riding on production here. I think it was a good move for him. I think it was a good move for Washington, but, but even good moves come with downsides. And the downside is if, if this thing doesn't work out, he is unquestionably in a worse place than where he started. This is a, a good, a good, a good uh, rant there from you. Uh, you know, this is why, uh, this is why we bring you on to, to bring. Uh, this is why you. This is why you pay me seven figures per appearance, and and you know I, I, I'm I'm here to earn it. Uh, yeah. This is also why I have twelve <laughs> jobs if I'm paying you seven figures per appearance. <laughs> um, Michael Phillips, a uh, great job as always at Michael P R T D on Twitter. Anything uh, people need to else be aware of? You you always have stuff going on or new articles out. Anything people should be uh keeping an eye on. Always irons in the fire. Now, now on, on the Richmond.com side, we're all March Madness right now. We've got to get VCU in. That's very important right now for the city to, to get them dancing. Uh, I don't – UVA, man, like, they, they look a lot like that UMBC team. Like, if the shooting's off, like, I don't know. So, you know, we'll see. I, I may regret that in a couple of weeks. So it's, it's all hoops on the staff. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for this team to sell, you know. We're just – we're waiting for it. And uh, I, I know uh, the league meetings are coming up. That's always uh, – good time some information gathering i i can't wait for the shoe to drop and uh excited to come back on talk about it with you all right well i'm glad you're on top of march madness because i am not when you when you uh pay attention to a team that uh has uh, won like two conference games <laughs> in three years it's not much Oof. to get excited about oh uh, dude that <laughs> yeah that that is painful yeah i try to i try to get in on i, mean, I used to be a big maryland fan but uh you know, I, I college football basketball is not my bag, so I don't pretend I'm emotionally invested. But you know, I hope all the locals can get there, and, and I don't count Richmond as the, the DC area. But hey, VCU, sure, let's go, let's go, let's help the Richmond Times Dispatches cause and get the Rams in the tournament. Um, Michael, appreciate it as always, man. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely, take care, Ben.